I am John, Whoopi impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Fabulous secret ideas revealed to me the day he came to my house and said, I want to make a podcast! Only two others share this secret. I have Chris Visions. I like walks on the beach, sunsets, poodles. What's up, everybody? Morphin time. Hi, I'm Rick Remender. I love games. I love video games. Uh, and Emerald City Comic Con! Hey, I'm Christopher Sabella. Hi, this is Ashley Eckstein, voice of Ahsoka Tano. Rob, the artist. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Robbie Amell. What's up, guys? It's Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw. I've been digging it. I'm very glad you like it. Way to go, John. <laughs> hey, you know, we're on the fly. <laughs> Today, I have special guest, Mike Selinker. You do indeed. We're working on Black Science. Nolan North! Uh, you know, great cosplayers, great fans. It's talk about the amazing Spider-Man and Silk Infinite comic. Matt Jet City! Bob McCloud, creator of the New Mutants. I've been working for Marvel and DC Comics for the last 40 years. Brian Herbert! About a year ago, I got a, a Twitter site. I couldn't get my own name. Somebody took my name. <laughs> the name oh, of the game Gravisar. is Gravisar. <laughs> and uh, we're actually Studio Emma. I'm at Geek Girl Con with Stephen Poole. Robin Hobb is here! Working on a trilogy called The Fitz and the Fool. Yeah, um, I'm Phoenix Jones. I'm the leader of the Rain City Superhero Movement. Hey, my name's Claire, and I've been running Geek Star Costuming. Hey, hi, well, I'm Katie of Katie Clark Art. And we have special guest, Gus Lopez. Uh, hey, guys, I'm thrilled to be on. So, Rebecca, tell us what you've been working on lately. As always, my little vampire's webcomic. Hi, I'm Dennis, the rapper. So I'm Kazuo Maeda, I'm the uh, Imigo Softworks partner. Livio Raimondelli. Appreciate it. I'm, I'm a big Transformers fan, G1 fan myself. Together we started talking about toys, comics, games, and movies on the Super Awesome Geek Show! Alright, well hello, 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 and welcome to another super exciting, super awesome Geek Show episode number 113. Hey, guys. hey Rob. Hi. Hey, Rob, do you have, uh, what, the forecast? No, I do not. I can you say get that. it. Get it. Okay, here, here's one from the other day, guys. It says, you will sweat your balls off today. Holy shit, it's humid outside. <laughs> <laughs> my friend uh, Rachel sounds... says, well, you can turn off cussing, and it's just very mild. Oh, <laughs> he, her, my friend who lives in Vegas sent me one. It says, it's hotter than a whorehouse on dollar day, so step right up for some weather VD. Oh, jeez. When you need a laugh because the weather is so hot and you're just like, oh, here. I'm not saying it's hot outside, but two hobbits just threw a ring into my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> two hobbits just threw a ring. Nice. It's good. So I recommend you get it, and we all constantly share it with each other because it's funny. Hey, guys, I might have to jump off. I've been doing some weird crap all damn day. And it's kind of coming in waves on me right now. And it's just, it's kind of hard for me to concentrate. All right, man. If you want to run, go ahead. Don't worry. Yeah, sorry about that. By the way, I do want to see Valerian. I don't care about apes. Oh, 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 oh that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well I want to see Valerian too. It looks cool. <laughs> oh, it, it looks beautiful. I really want to see it. Um, in the source material is gorgeous. So, you know, and Luke Besson is fucking awesome so yeah, yeah I mean, um <laughs> so yeah i i, I really want to see that before it, it, it heads out because i i've been 
it, it doesn't sound like it's been doing super well. Well, the the problem the problem I have with what's going on with films is that they're doing one right after the other. Like Spider Man Homecoming came out the very next week. Apes came out the very next week. Valerian came out. People like my mom and other ones who want to see they wanted to see all three of those movies, but they can't afford to mm-hmm. in the theater, so they had to choose one of them. You know, yeah. and they were talk- when, uh, and people was... were people were talking about how surprised they were that Spider Man had such a huge drop the second weekend, which was the weekend that Apes came out, and I'm like, well. What do you expect if people were waiting for apes? They all went to see apes, and none of them. You know what I mean? It's like you got to give a movie a couple of weeks without a huge competitor like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, summer, summer season, right? Gotta love it. But I don't really recall having a time like that um, in the past where you had one right after. Because what next week? I think you got a slight break, but then it's um, Dark Tower. You know, and then after that, you got um, Blade Runner, right? So yeah. it's like all these movies in a row that everybody wants to go see, but can they really afford to go to that many movies? I, I don't know. Kind of curious. I'm just checking something. So 20... I think you're right. I think that there probably are, you know, a larger volume. 2017, does it seem to have more? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the first one was like. Hey, here's the big ones. Here's the big movies, you know, from highest to lowest box office gross. And there are 12 in 2000. And now that may not be completely reflective. I, I don't know. But then, uh, you know, here it's talking about, hey, check out these 25, you know, wide <laughs> releases where we're seeing this summer that, you know, we're looking forward to. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, I, I think you're probably, you're probably uh uh not wrong when it comes to you know just talking about volume because the Um, thing that the thing that i feel like is in the past i could in a given year i could choose five or six movies in a summer sometimes in a whole year and mm -hmm. those would be the five or six i'd go see yeah it seems like last year and now this year especially the number of movies i want to see in the theater has jumped up to like 10 to 12 movies uh, and you they're know, expensive. And so. yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been hunting discount tickets and trying to do these. I found these group tickets like um, like I said, my mother got four tickets at Regal for thirty five dollars. And I, I found this thing called the Silver Light, which is near here. I must be an independent thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But because um, I've never heard of one before. But they have a deal where you can get four tickets for thirty dollars. Nice. And they're good for any movie at any time, but they just want you buying this lump pack. Mm-hmm. And there's no no waiting either. You can go the week it comes out. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. you're just buying the tickets ahead of time. But like this one serves food and does all that catering and all the other crap. Ah. So I think what they want is they want you to forget. So like if you see, say like you go use two tickets this week and then four weeks down the road you use the other two tickets... Well, down the road, you're going to be like, well, I didn't uh, pay for these. You're, it's going to be out of your mind. You know what I mean? So then when you go in, you're probably going to end up spending money on food. 
mm-hmm. because you did, you're going to feel like I didn't have to spend any money today to use these tickets, you know? Yeah, totally. totally. So I think that's their gimmick. They're like, well, they'll order cheeseburgers and pizzas and everything else because they don't have to spend any money tonight when they're seeing this film, you know? It kind of yeah. locked, hooks you in, you know? Oh, totally. And totally. you're locked in to go to that theater, you know? <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, it's like I, I do uh, the Cinnabar uh up here yeah, which is one of those like, you know it's very like that yeah yeah exactly and it's uh like one day during the week it's either tuesdays or thursdays they do six dollar six dollar showings all day all movies uh and then that's that's something i like to to hit up because it's yeah. you know it's reasonable at that point that's you know? where i think i'm gonna do this tuesday to see valerian because there's one out here there's a theater that does tightwad tuesdays <laughs> and it's like <laughs> five bucks to go and it's a stadium seating with the recliners and the uh reserve seats and the nice chair i think they got two dollar popcorns and one dollar drinks so i'm like yeah you can Ugh, spend you know eight works. eight bucks and get popcorn drink in a movie so that's where i'll see valerian yeah. i think i'm gonna try it out and see valerian there Dude, but I'm anyway rob stuff. um all right <laughs> sorry you're not gonna hang out with us tonight hope you feel better yeah thanks uh i'll i'll, I'll hit you next time sorry no no worries uh, have a good show, guys. Yeah. And we have Christina Pryor with us today. Say hello from the wonderful hot world of Texas. Hello. It's so bloody hot. I mean, it's like, you know that meme when people go outside and it says, I stuck my face outside to see how hot it was and it shows a melting face. <laughs> That's literally what it feels like. <laughs> that just brought up like... <laughs> the view or uh, uh, the scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. There. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you're you're outside and you're just like, oh. At first you're like, it's not so bad, and then you're like, oh, I think I might catch fire. Between that and the bug bites, that has just been torturous. You know, you There's, just don't want to go outside. People are like, "Why aren't you doing more?" Uh, would you like to go outside? Would you like to lather up and bug stuff and <laughs> smell horrible and be outside? Wow, that's sorry, that's not enjoyable. <laughs> you know. Um, so there's lots of bugs in Texas. Yeah, I don't know what bit me. What they do on me is they turn red and then they turn purple, like bruises. Well, I had one on one of my arms and it had turned red and I was putting, you know, cortisone, Benadryl, uh, everything you can think of anti-itch on there and it finally disappeared. Well, then I got one on my left arm and it turned into a bump and the bump got bigger and nothing I was putting on it was taking it away, ice packs, heat packs, nothing. And then it started hurting into my muscle and my hand and up my, up my elbow and I was like, that's venom. I'm all, well, okay. So I went to the urgent care and the doc's like, and I said, I had to explain my symptoms and they go, well, you have a little bit of a fever. It was like 99. And I was like, okay. And so I was on an antibiotic, uh, ibuprofen 600 for the pain. And I didn't really think I needed it. And it was like the next day and there was this ache in my hand that I can imagine what arthritis might feel like. I was like, Mm. oh, I kind of need that. And then I had an antibiotic cream and a cortisone cream. And I had to do the antibiotic cream three times a day, the cortisone two times, the antibiotic two times a day. It was frustrating and painful. And literally, I posted it on Twitter saying, at least my bug bite looked like I got in a big battle or something now because it looked like a bruise on my leg. Um, I ended up ordering these. um, They look like the old telephone cord 
curly bracelets. Oh, right, right, right. The bug they, repellent in it. Yeah, um, and it doesn't have DEET or anything, and I don't have to spray myself. So now when I go outside, I throw it one on my ankle and wear it like a cute uh, anklet as I go walking around outside, and I don't have to spray myself. And so far, so good. When I've been outside, I have not been bit. So, huh. yeah, it was very unpleasant and... You know, I'll, I just kept making jokes. You'll end up being just like the tick. Right? But out here, it's ticks are big, but it's mostly um, if you're in the woodsy areas. But out here, it's uh, mosquitoes and chiggers. Oh, that's what you could be. You could be chigger girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you'd be chiggerl, right? Chiggerl. Girl chig. No, I don't know. So it's basically like a flea collar, if you will, for people. Exactly, and you can wear it up to 300 hours. Like, I, I don't know if John saw it, but on uh, Twitter this morning, I'm like, I made a joke. What's that beautiful smell? There's a hint of something tangy in there. Uh, my response was, oh, it's my Japanese cherry blossom and bug bracelet. Because <laughs> it does smell. Christina, I think you need to take one for the team, because I bet you I'm curious, and all of our listeners are probably just as curious that those things really, really work. So what you need to do, is you need to go in the grass and go by water to recreate the situation where you may have gotten bitten before so we can find out if this thing really works. I did. I walked through the park um, at high humidity yesterday at about 4. And did it work? I did not come home with any bites on me. Did you have bugs forming around you? Or? I, you can't yeah, see them. That's you. the problem. You can't see them. All of a sudden, you just have bites, and it's not in the most pl- – you don't know you've been bitten until like a day or so later when all of a sudden you're just like, well, I have a small itch. And then all of a sudden it's a ferocious itch. And I was having to take Benadryl, Benadryl too, because it's like none of the creams or anything were working. Right, and right. Yeah, oh my it God. was. Yeah. So since I've been gone, I've been bug bite girl. And yeah. Wow. So are, you said that you can only wear it for a few hours. Is that because that's how long it lasts? Or yeah, three hundred hours. 300. Oh, so, oh, three hundred hours. Okay, so it's so, not less, not a human tolerance thing. You can only wear it for so long because of you'll develop a rash or something like that. It's just that's just how long the whatever it is lasts on the. Yeah, and I take it off, and you put it in as as it has a little zipper pouch it comes in, and I just put it back in there. Hmm. Well, very interesting. I've seen those advertised. Hey, it's a pack of ten for seven ninety nine on Amazon. And Amazon, you know, I saw those on Amazon. That's where I saw it, and I was just curious if those if those really really work. And do they have well, recommended placement, like you know, one on each wrist, one no, per the, body? I mean, is well, it? You I think know it's. I, mean? I think it's one per body, and it says ankle or wrist. Okay. So if you're one on one on both ankles, was, one around your neck. I was just gonna say that slide, one on your wrist. When slide I'm, them, slide them through your ear holes where your where your earrings normally go. So you got. Like, if go I out. was camping, I would literally do that as much as I hate bugs. But no, uh, the park trip, I had one on my wrist and one on my ankle. So mm-hmm. I I kind of doubled up because I said, knowing my luck, some magic bug will come onto my <laughs> upper body and bite me. You know, you're just like, and one time that I did get bit, I had pants on and I got bit on a calf. So it crawled all the way up your pants. Isn't that comforting? Yeah, great. My grandmother used to call them those things no seums. Yes. She was like, I got bit by a no seum. And I'm like, what the hell is that? (laughs) 
<laughs> she goes, they're bugs you can't see. But then you got this bite on you and you have no idea how it got there. Well, and you, we can call this episode, What's Bugging You? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Bugging What's you. Bugging Christina? Well, I guess that was uh, Christina's crazy week. Jason, how was your week? Just to finish off on the bug thing, and I have no oh, intention right, to right. go to Florida again just because of the photos <laughs> that you sent me, John, of these gymammoth arachnids that, yes. you're, that you're filming. And, um, and I love Florida because that's where Walt Disney World is. Now, I know there's a whole bunch more to Florida than just the theme park, so I appreciate that. So I don't want anyone to get upset. Yeah, uh, but I, that, was, that was one of the main reasons why I went there for the first time. But I have had a chance to explore the other parts of the of that great state. So. I, have, I have found a couple of giant uh, spider types: the banana spider and the orb spider. See, this is just crazy. I have a friend in Australia, and I was going to go visit her. I was thinking about it. I have. I, I I tell you, I can't do it. I saw this program on television. Right, it always starts with the program on television. It was a PBS show, and it was talking about like the twenty deadliest. Things on the planet. And they and all like, live there. Eleven of them. <laughs> eleven of them live in Australia. So There's... I don't know if it's my reaction to not wanting to die because of some crazy funnel spider or crazy stuff that floats in the pool or whatever the heck. But yeah, I just yeah, that's that's probably my biggest fear is dying. <laughs> being well, bit by my weirdest thing about Florida is that in the Northwest. You, if I went on a hike and I felt warm or hot, any mountain lake, any mountain stream, anything up there, I could just jump in with no fear of anything. It's not like there's weird fish that are going to crawl up inside your little penis hole. There's no <laughs> like, wow. there's no like alligators that are going to bite your legs off. There's no sharks that swam upstream that are going to just tear your arm off there's no snakes that are going to constrict your stomach and squish all your guts out your mouth you know what i mean but it's like here in florida you can't go in any water anywhere you're going to get eaten uh, i had i had never ever 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 had the thought that you just planted in my brain and the problem is is that once you said it you can't unsay it (laughs) and so i have that image of, of 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 the penis hole thing and i have are you kidding me i've never thought of that now i'm gonna have that fear you look know I'm it up ma- look it I'm, up they're oh my tiny, god it's real they're little parasites are you kidding me up inside your are they call you, it what the oh urethra god, right that little oh tube god. there no really yes oh so they they have like barbs so you can't pull them oh out oh my god barbs yes yeah, so oh. that when they go in they can lock in you know Gee, are you kidding me i'm not kidding and how do you extract Extract them. You go to the hospital. Oh my God! They <laughs> open. I think oh they came God. up from South America. They're in the Amazon. Everything comes up from South and they, America. Yeah, now they're up here somewhere. Oh my gosh! And soon, coming to a penis near you, they'll be up there. Now, well, I, it, well, it, I got to assume. I have to assume it. What's good for the men is also probably for the women too. I'd assume, right? Going up into whatever, you know, thing. Well, we have a bigger hole, okay? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not wanting the conversation to go this route. Okay, okay I'm forever. Back- we were supposed bird. to talk about Jason's 40-hour movie experience. Yes. And yeah, talk well, you just about gave me a new the- movie idea. Ah, there you go, yeah. And we were going to talk okay. about all the wonderful movie trailers that have come out over San Diego Comic-Con. Now we're stuck on talking about bugs and wow. penis parasites. Wow. And the <laughs> next 48-hour film series actually is the Horror 48, and so this would be a great 
great topic, but we can't premeditate our stories. It's you know what? The competition. It could, it could get a, It could be mutated into something giant. Oh my God! <laughs> something giant going through the penis hole—is that what you're well, talking no, about? No, I'm now? saying like imagine <laughs> if one of those little imagine if one of those little barbed parasites grew to the size of a person or little, something. Oh my God! Can you? I mean, I have problems fathoming a catheter, <laughs> and just going, how the hell does that work? I just don't understand how that works. I know. Ever since I saw a hot tub time machine. Oh boy! And him pulling it out. Okay. Oh, so gross. If, if you want a good transition. Oh my speaking God. of Florida, speaking of movies, wouldn't it be cool if John were able to get geek show tickets to Star Wars and everybody went to Florida to Star Wars? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. John, you have a Let, mission. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. We'll, we'll see what happens, yeah. John, you have a mission. I, Do I that. Thought, I thought that would be more important. More pleasant than penis bugs. Than, pe- <laughs> than penis bugs. I agree. It is more. And you snorted. That was a good one. That was me. a snort. You I know think, it's funny because you I snorted. Think, I actually think that just about anything is better than penis bugs. Penis, yeah. I got to tell you, I have a new, there is a new terror in the water now, and it's not Jaws. It's now these little par- parasite things. Jason goes in a swimming Oh, my gosh. That's a movie. That- swimming. The Penis parasite in the swimming pool. Penis parasite. <laughs> the PP. Oh, boy. <laughs> I t- I mean, the PPP. It's in the pool. <laughs> I, I tell you, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite, because I like monster movies, is, you know, was the original Piranha. Now I have something oh, yeah. uh, much more horrifying. Look, the Corman, the Roger Corman. Uh, that was the, is that the original from like the 70s? Or I the, thought it was a Corman. Corman? No. Right? <gasps> That's before they flew. Now that was that was Piranha Two, where the where the fish flew. Out oh of water yeah, okay. And jumped on jumped on people. But I do like your idea of John getting tickets. Here's 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 the utopia. John gets tickets. We're able to go down there and do a show. And then the following Star Wars picture that they haven't filmed yet. I'm in it. Would that be awesome? Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be so awesome. But so, I I I will fly. And you I will be, fly. I, I no, I will fly to see the movie with everybody. I would. I would. And I, oh. I, I think I know a few others that would too. Well, me, I'm just assuming. John. Well, the 1978 Piranha, Joe Dante was the director, but yeah, Roger Corman was the producer. Roger Corman. Yep. Great film. I liked I, it. She she's sitting on a one of those beach <laughs> chair things, and then the piranha's coming up from under her. Yeah. <laughs> the old classic. Oh man. Movie poster there. Oh God! You gotta, you gotta love it. Practical effects as an actor, I love practical effects. Because... So, so tell us, we're no. dying to yes. know your forty-eight movie the hour fest. Forty-eight hours. So, so this is a worldwide, well, worldwide, well, at least across the United States. It's called the C, uh, the forty-eight hour film project, and Seattle is one of the competing cities. And so, what it is, is is it's 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 a very fascinating experience. Um, so I was the producer. I also acted in it. And you're basically building a movie in reverse because you have everything or you have to acquire everything, but you don't have a script. And so for the last few months, I've been acquiring a cinematographer and getting a director and getting a sound person and getting an editor and getting a colorist and getting a composer. And it really became – it was a group effort to assemble this team. So we had a team of 22 people. Wow. And, w- and what happens is on uh, July 7th, 
to the uh, the starting place, and what happens is, is is they draw out of the hat. So at 7:30 p.m. on Friday, we had a um, someone go down, and what they do is they draw the genre because we don't know what genre it is. So the idea is is that no story writing. We can't start writing a story or a script and know who we had to cast, but we have to have actors on standby. We have to have um, basic research of possible locations based on the, hey, they give us the list of genres. We just don't know what genre we're in. And so we try to game it a, as much as we can from the standpoint of going, well, if we get here, where can we film? If we get horror, where could we film? You know, stuff like that. Okay. But we can't write any story, and therefore you can't cast. So we have these actors on standby. They don't know if they're going to be even acting at all, which everyone has a great, great, great attitude about. And one of the rules is you can't pay anybody. Uh, it has to be all volunteer time. Now, for me, that's really great because I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And this is one of the projects that the Screen Actors Guild has a partnership with the 48-hour film project, So, which is outstanding to me because there is no union payment that has to happen. And I can work on it for free. And anytime I can get in front of the camera to practice and refine my craft, I, I, I want to do that. Yeah. And so we assembled our film family. Again, it was 22 members strong. We were called Team Knox, just an amazing group of, of people, just an amazing group of people. And what happens is Friday night, our assistant director, David Parks, went down, and he drew our genre. And our genre, we had the choice. You, get two, you draw two, but you, you only have to choose one. We had time travel or western. Ah. So that narrowed down our genre. Like a friend of ours got buddy film. You know, they get the idea, right? Uh, yeah. So we had time travel or Western. What'd you pick? Well, we picked time travel. Of course, yes. We picked time travel. And so our director made the decision to pick time travel. And we already had a screenwriter ready to go who was actually down in L.A. And so what happens is as soon as he drew the genre, he texted it out to everybody. And then we were given elements that had to be incorporated. So as part of the rules, all the teams, regardless of the genre, had to include these elements. And they were, you had to include a character named Anders or Andrea Sandstrom. Okay. And they had to be a tour guide. You either referenced them or they actually had to be in your show. Right? So it could be a guy or a girl, Andre or Andrea, right? Sandstrom, correct. And Sandstrom had to, had to be the last name. Okay. Yes, and you either Got had it. to mention that, oh, hey, I have to give a tour tomorrow, or I have to, you know, in some Make way it clear to clear they're a tour guide. Correct, correct. That a tour guide is part of that narrative. We Got had to, there was a prop that we everyone had to use, and this 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 time around it was a hairbrush. We had to incorporate a hairbrush somehow, whether it's just sitting on a table in the scene or someone brushing their hair. You know, we had to clearly. Uh, the use of the prop and a comb didn't count, so it had to be a hairbrush and a line of dialogue that everyone had to use, and it had to be word perfect. The line was, "You should get that looked at." <laughs> you should get that, and I can only tell you how many different ways there is to say the line. You should get that looked at, and so the the spirit behind that is, is to really. Encourage people to not premeditate, <laughs> not have any, you know, story ideas in the chamber. And this will really – and that's the spirit of it. So we didn't. So we had our screenwriter ready. And as soon as we got the, the elements, they were texted out and writing started right away. And that's I could really totally see, like, with, with that line alone, 
all these stories are coming to my head. Like if you had a horror film, yeah. you've got something growing on you, yes. Christina. You should yeah. get that looked you at. Should get that looked at. <laughs> and then I was like thinking of the time travel thing. It's like they come across this device and someone's about to turn it on and they're like, wait, wait, wait. You should get that looked at. And then yes. he just pushes the button anyways, and boof, you're all traveling through time accidentally. Well, in, in all the different places, a person can have a hairbrush. Uh, yeah. That, and that's they should have that looked at. Um, <laughs> came right. up. And oh, so okay. and so we had 40 hours. So what usually what happens is... is So wait, so, you said you had a script writer in L.A.? Yeah, yeah. Well, he actually started up here. He just moved down to L.A. and he was kind enough. It's very funny. Ian, Ian Shulka, very funny man. He's a stand-up comedian, actor, and uh, he uh, agreed to write our screenplay. Funny story, when I was trying to get our director, Bry Troyer, who's fabulous, um, he said, Jason, I tell you what, I will direct your 48 if you can get Ian to write the screenplay. So he made me jump through some hoops, you know, and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to do that, Bry. I'm going to do that. Because I bothered him for, for a little bit now to direct, direct a 48-hour um, and, uh, and so I talked with Ian and, uh, he was a good friend of mine. He says, you know what, I'll do it, but just know that I won't be local. I'll be doing it remote if you're okay with that. Um, ideal. It's nice to have the writer in a writer's room yeah. and you can interact. Uh, but this worked out just fine. He's a pro all the way. And that son of a gun, he wrote that script out before midnight, which was wow. amazing. I was expecting the script from 7.30. You get the artifacts, so you start writing by 7.45. Maybe done by 2 a.m. You create your shot list, you create the call sheet, then the action. But he had all that done before midnight, which was really awesome. So we were able to get the script into the actors and in the, in the hidden heroes, the crew's hands, and we were able to make our call sheet. So we had our call time the next morning at 7 a.m. And uh, we had a couple location options as ideas. You know, you just kind of brainstorm, but you don't know if you can get them or not. But we were able to get one in Yelm. So we had a two-hour drive to get there, and uh, you just film all day. And then you have the wonderful post-production team, which is sound, sound design. Um, you have the uh, scoring, so the composer, and then the editor, of course, and her team, the colorist. And uh, you just... They just, as soon as it's done, they're cranking it out. Now, the idea is, is that we set up an editor's bay on site. So this beautiful farmhouse in Yelm, and, uh, which left us with a lot of options. It had an open field. It had a really creepy basement. It had a great attic. Wonderful homeowners that owned that. Just, just fabulous. I mean, it was just a magic moment. When it was happening, I just remember turning to people and saying, you guys, these are the good old days. This is something special because you have everyone you know, practicing their craft, donating their time, leaning into what they love to do. And we were able to have a two-camera shoot, which which really saves a lot of time because oh, we were able oh. to do some reverse shots, reaction shots, some wide and medium shots at the same time. And it was just wonderful. And just working with these artisans that, you know, where we have the same instrument in common, like we're the direct, director of photography, the DP. As an actor, you know, you know, knowing Elijah's behind the camera and you just get that that camaraderie feeling and that feeling of love and support. And as an actor, it's the greatest thing. I got Nick Abercrombie on sound, you know, he's booming me up or he's using a lab, which is basically a wireless mic, you know, and doing all that. And it was just, just so great. Just having your friends around you and supporting you. And we're all trying to get the shot and trying to do the great story. And, and it was just absolutely an amazing experience. And we set up, like I said, we set up an editor's bay. So our, uh, Leah Franks, who's our, our chief editor, amazing woman, she was uh, so we can start getting her 
the data. So we had a what's called a call him a data runner, and he's basically pulling the cards from the camera, checking it in, putting it, giving the new blank cards back to the camera, so the cameras constantly roll, and yeah. then the editor can start at least looking at all the pieces. And when you have two cameras, that's double the pieces, right? Of course. Well, <laughs> the biggest challenge that we had is uh, we lost on-site power. Now, this was a hot day. It was 85 degrees out in the blazing sun, and we lost on-site power for eight hours. What? what? Six to eight hours. And so it was like, eek. Now, here's what's really, really cool. We kind of we looked at each other, and we went, huh, we lost on-site power. But when I showed up on set, here's a good example, the, the camera team. I saw these banks and banks and banks of batteries. I mean, I looked at this battery bank and I go, I've never seen anything like it. They just had these banks of batteries for their two cameras. And I'm thinking to myself, geez, you can power the house by how much power they had. We did not skip a beat. We did not miss one moment of filming or downtime of filming because we had the battery back up. It was just so awesome. Wow. Cameras were able to, to roll because they were very thoughtful about it. Sound was able to continue. So we were able to continue to, to get the shots. The tough part was is for our post-production team because we had no on-site power they obviously couldn't edit so all that computer stuff that we had set up and plus i like having the editors on site for those because they're a part of the team a lot of times editing is very focused and concentrated work but but having her on site and her team on site you know they still feel a part of the camaraderie you know you can bring them a donut you can just kind of check in <laughs> if they have questions you know that's what it's all about it's about having fun like that and i just love that energy well and, we and, and also i could imagine it, like if an editor is on site, I could imagine them giving tidbits to the directors and saying, you know, because you're going to have a director and a directory of photography, right? Right. And I was, I could imagine them going, you know what, this might work better in editing if you adjust and put over here. I, I don't know. Does that happen? Some, or well, sometimes, sometimes we have people that really know what the heck they're doing, and it's really a joy for me to, as an actor. And I got to tell you guys, this what's so great about this is watching these people. And, and just hearing how they think and then me adjusting myself, I tell you, it inspires me to do the – I mean I always want to do the best job I can. That's always my goal to be – I am an actor in service of the story at the discretion of the director. But when you see these artisans that are setting up long before I set foot on set, I tell you, it makes me want to like deliver honesty 24 frames a second. I mean it's just – it's so powerful and it's just so awe-inspiring. And when you're in the 48, it's a hurry up and rush mode. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. we don't have the luxury because we only – ideally, you want to film all day Saturday, going to Saturday night, and then the next day you leave open for editing because it has to be handed in by 7.30 p.m. So we had rented a hotel down by the, uh, by the drop-off space, which happens to be in downtown Seattle. So what we did is that night after filming on Saturday – um, so, well, let me tie a bow off on Saturday. So we had yeah. to move the editing team. So they started getting backed up. So we moved them to a house that someone had close by. So we were able to temporarily set up an editing location. So they had to pack up. So that just takes time. And then we had to get the bits to them, you know, manually drive them over. And then at some point, we just had them go to our new touchdown space, which is the hotel 900 feet from the drop-off spot. Huh. And we just fed them food and they set up the computers and that's where they stayed all night. Because when we filmed wrapping that night, this is, this is at 11 o'clock at night in Yelm, which is two hours outside of Seattle. Then we had to, you know, then the really the night really began with uh, with the post production team, and they were just awesome. And the guy Nick Abercrombie, who was our main sound guy, he's the guy out in the sun holding the boom, giving the mics, watching the needles. But he was also our post production sound. So when he wow. left that set, boom, he's back at the hotel with us, 
and giving them food and just trying to keep them, you know, fed and happy. And then he's doing the sound stuff. And it's just absolutely amazing watching these artisans work because you don't really realize how much happens at post-production. And then Leah is able to take these and tell the whole story and really enhance the performances of the actors by how she'll cut a look, an angle, a certain thing, but keeping all that organized. And then you have to color it. So in other words, you have to balance. So we had two separate cameras. We're shooting on Blackmagic. That's right, yeah. And then you have to kind of normalize the color, normalize the sound, and it's usually something goofy will happen. And we had a little bit of a volume bump. Um, a stem was bumped, which lowered the volume lower than lower than what we would have liked. But it, all in all, it was just a great experience. And it's one of those things where it's just like, gosh darn it, I wish I could take this film family and, and wrap my arms around them and then find some way for all of us to get paid. <laughs> you know, and, and just you know do a series or do something. I mean, this is just how wonderful wonderful these 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 people are and my fellow actors and actresses and uh yeah so that's one great way to practice the craft and you you, you really kind of learn work styles quickly and and it just has a has a has a deep appreciation and then they all get screened at the SIF uptown which is which is uh, off of uh, Harrison close to Harrison just across from Dick's Drive-In in downtown Seattle by the Seattle Center yep. so you get to see your works they couldn't be longer with credits out the you know they couldn't be longer than 8 minutes you had to be a okay. minimum 4 minutes so they had some time time constraints and so and that's four, really 4 to 8 minutes these yeah. films are okay yeah exactly usually everyone uses their maximum time usually the problem that you run into is is you because you want to tell a great story, yeah, and, and that's not a lot of time, you know, to tell a story. And you, you know, people put a lot of work and thought and care, and we, we were really proud of ourselves because I really wanted it to look good, and we really wanted it to sound good. So we we made a mini movie, and it was it was it was really great. It was a fun little script, and you just come together and you cheer each other on, and um, and then you hope you get selected. Because what happens is you get the audience favorites, and then uh, which we didn't get the audience favorite, which which I was really disappointed about. Um, audience res responded to ours very favorably in our group, so each group has an audience favorite. So okay. we didn't win the audience favorite. What I guess what helps with that is the one that did win audience favorite. I did get a kick out of. I'm going to be honest. It, it was cute. It was it was it was well done, and I appreciate things that are that are well photographed and 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 well written and well acted and I, I don't know i i guess i'm i'm also different too i don't see any there are some productions that were better production quality than others but gosh darn it everyone out there did it you know talking about it is not the same thing as doing it and these guys got their act together they got they they shot their film and they got it in on time and regardless of who they are i commend all of them because it's a lot of work to do that. And a sad note is, is we, um, I had paced out. I had did a, I did a trial run from. I ran from the hotel to the drop-off desk as a test, and as doing a light jog, it was it was a two-minute jog. You know the logistics of it that need to come together, and then you put it on a thumb drive, and we put it on two thumb drives as a backup, <laughs> and and we were really grateful that we. We took the we took the space that the hotel because not everyone does that that we were li literally so close is because we used every moment and I we had I left the hotel at two minutes before so I ran got there in sixty seconds wow and and it was we dropped it off and um, I was there for the countdown you know everyone's around there kind of meeting up like it's a big race and you know ten nine countdown and what was sad what was sad is that 
15 seconds after the time, you know, a team just showed up and it was just like, oh, they just missed it by 15 seconds. So basically a, tra- a traffic light, you know, or wow. something. I mean, and that's, uh... that's tough. Their, 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 their films will still be screened, but they don't qualify for the judging. And that's, 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 that's got to be hard for that team. Just because, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, but that's all part of it. And that's what makes the, the 48, you know, so exciting, but also so challenging and, and, um, yeah, it's just a huge thrill. So as soon as the link is available uh, that we're able to to show, we'll go ahead and we can post that and let our, our yeah, viewers... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll tack it onto the um, post check. when I put this on as soon as that link's available, yeah. Yeah, that would be great because that way you can kind of check out our little film and see how you like it. And and, um, and we'll tweet the link out too. That would be awesome, yeah, just to kind of just, you know, hey, here's me doing... A, it's quirky. It's It's one of our favorite directors is Wes Anderson, so we kind of went in the style of kind of a Wes Anderson kind of vibe. That's cool. Uh, awesome. So does that mean you're going to go big time and get a Twitter? But, uh, <laughs> you know, I know you guys. I'm tossing, I'm tossing that in there. So this is, uh, okay, so the viewers that might be new to our show, giving me a loving nudge that I need to get a Twitter account. And I'm uh, serious. When we were sitting there playing yeah. games around the table, yeah. I literally should have said, okay, here's the app. Let's type in a name. Let's take your picture. <laughs> I should have done that, but I was just so, wow, I'm sitting here playing games with these guys that I just, you know. Well, when we all go see Star Wars together, we'll make sure we do it for them. Yeah, there you go. And then if I get a part in the Star Wars picture, right, the next one. Yeah, you know, for you sure have to. Uh, wouldn't that be the greatest thing? There's so and, many. Well, winners. it is. It was so fun. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So I thought this was to talk about it yet. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. Just uh, but yes. Yeah. It, I was uh, I was scouring. I was scouring scene by scene that uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi um, behind the scenes. They did that four four and a half minute thing mm-hmm. that they put out from San Diego Comic Con, and I was sitting there with that pause button hitting every single shot, especially group shots. And I was like, there was nothing, nothing in that thing that was at all related to the parts that I had in The Last Jedi. So I cannot talk about it still. (sighs) You know what I mean? And that that little blurb I did when I was saying something about it in the, in the um, back in March, when I did the welcome back after moving to Florida, um, it was that quick, like 10 or 15 minute little, Welcome back, at Minisode. I got an email afterwards saying, "Don't talk about it. You can't." Wow, talk they about listen it. to our podcast. Hi guys. No. Well, I guess. Hello. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not allowed to talk about it until I see a scene or something that's officially released related to what part I was in. Okay. And it's not like I really even know what part I was. Yeah, but still, you want to ma- you want to so maintain obscure. the integrity of the NDA. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But I can. <laughs> so, I mean, so just everyone listening, um, John he has been very good, he ha- and he hasn't talked about it. You know, even even private little one to one little chats that we've had. So it's he is upholding his deal, which is the right thing to do because, especially with a project like that, it's really about secrecy, five. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I can't confirm or deny that I. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, that line. I can neither confirm nor deny. God, I hope I get but, to say that someday. But but I do. I will say that if we all go see together by chance, there is some miracle. I promise to dress as Ray. Oh, cool! With the new I gray promise. outfit. 
Oh, I'd have to buy one. Maybe around Halloween they might bring it out because of the movie, yeah. and I'll go buy and I'll go buy it. So yeah, she is like Gandalf the Gray. She's now Jedi oh. the Gray. <laughs> Could I be Meredith Gray Ray? There you go. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm dressed in a doctor's uniform now. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see that, uh, Jason. And I really do think that you need to jump on the Twitter train. Tweet, tweet. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a question though. Um, sleep and food. How did that work out? Did huh? nobody did nobody sleep, Jason? Oh. oh yeah. Well, what we did, we de- we definitely uh, had a very light craft service. Craft service. What? So when you have a project like this, the best payment that you can do is have food. Craft services was craft macaroni and cheese. Craft services. No, it was really nice. We all volunteered and did our, you know, part. There were some people who went to Costco for us and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, paid for food and had some nice coffee and donuts and just little munchables for stuff. Um, Really, it's, it's the sleeping part. There really isn't much. I mean, once you're excused from set, obviously you're able to, sometimes there just isn't a need to keep everybody, you know, once your, your job is finished. It's really the post-production team that, that will and it depends if we're picking up pick up shots or we have to do ADR, which is basically voiceover work to make yeah. up for sounds that were lost, so forth. Um, that that can be for a long night. But everyone was just so gangbusters and so it's just it's just a magic time. We just had a so great you, group of people. I cannot so begin. So in a sense, what you mean is like if you're if you're you play a part or you do something, mm-hmm. and then if you're not needed for a couple hours, you kind of can go into a room or into a corner, kind of crash, and then someone will come get you or you set an alarm or whatever and come back when your next time lot is needed. You right? could because things are so tight, though. What what I mean that could have happened, but what what I found happening was is, is uh, the actors were working on their next scenes, and then everyone else was, hey, what can I do to help? You know, especially when, especially when we go to move the camera. I mean, we have dedicated people who who move the camera, who take care of the lenses, who move the lighting. You know, you have your grips and gaffers and and your PA assistants, your productions assistants, and you know, you they have to do the job. I mean, they're they're priority. When the camera moves, everybody freezes. Camera moving, you know, you don't. The camera's the boss. Sure. And um, you, you let the people who who know how to handle that. And the best thing you do is don't move or move out of the way quickly. Just so you do not know when trips or anything like that. So the best way you can contribute is doing your trade, sticking to your discipline, doing it the best you can. And then if somebody needs some arms and legs for something, always be willing to, hey, can you go grab some water for the crew? Or, hey, camera's really been standing out there. Can you know go get him some water? So I'm running, getting water for folks. I mean, we all all participate. And that's really the magic of, 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 of this because everyone is – everyone – there is specific roles – for people that their areas of responsibility for and you have to give them the freedom and the control to own those areas but if a hel- if a helping hand is needed everyone was able to whether it's moving a a screen or a reflector or or something like that and yeah, it's yep. it's just 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 really great so in this particular case not too much resting but you know it's everyone was just participating that's what makes it great i just can't i cannot share enough just the magical feeling because there's a lot of stuff you know that needs to happen you know and then there's the writer texting us hey how's it going you know how are the actors liking the script and you know is it funny and and ian was really really great um and then we got behind schedule a little bit in filming only because you know we're trying to get really ambitious with some of our shots to tell a hell of a (laughs) story right and then you have rehearsals 
and you try to fit in the rehearsals while they're setting up the shot. I mean, you got to write the script, the rehearsals, and then you have the costume set design. We haven't even really talked about that. You have the actual shooting, editing, sound design, then the rendering. So that's just computer horsepower, you know, just kind of, you know, putting all the pieces together. And you did a lot of that in the hotel is what that, you're saying, That right? part was done. The post-production was done. We, so we really got behind the eight ball with respect to that. And that's why the post-production team, outstanding, um, because they couldn't work on site. Because as soon as we lost – and that's the other thing. When we lost power, because of the place we were at, beautiful location, because we lost power, we didn't have the sump pump or the sump pump. The, the well pump didn't work. So we didn't have water. We were good there because we had bottled water we brought in. But we couldn't flush toilets. Oh, wow. So we had yeah. to get creative with flushing the toilets, and we didn't have refrigeration. So we couldn't run additional fans and stuff. But thankfully, thank goodness for LED technology, and we were able to use a lot of natural sunlight that we just had to diffuse. We did have a bedroom scene at night, that was, bedroom scene that was at night, uh, and thankfully the power came on just before we were going to film that because we're going, okay, guys, how are we going to light this, sh- this shot, you know? Um, in the bedroom, so um, but it 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 worked out. You know, you just take that leap of faith and you just work the problem. And and I just loved it because no one freaked out, no one panicked. Everyone said, "Okay, well, that's yeah, what we're just, dealing with. We're just solve the problem and just go. solve the problem." And and whatever can't be solved is now a part of that shoot. Now that's a part of realistic. You know, uh, it's it's part of the it's part of the painting, right? So yeah, yeah. But that's that's what's really great is just the attitudes and and everybody coming together and everybody contributes and that's what's that's what's that's what's really magical about the the entire experience and I got to tell you watching everybody I get so excited and that really motivates me as an actor you know because I want to contribute because when you see everyone contributing at their highest level and leaning into their craft and and talking about the shots or talking about the setup or the lighting and the gap whatever. It really inspires me and is a great reminder for me as an actor of all this work that happens and the planning and the thoughtful execution that happens long before I am even cast in some cases in a role or long before I set foot on set. There's a lot of thought that goes in and it really re-instill. I mean I always, I always had an appreciation but it's always nice to have that extra reminder that these artisans to plan the shot – to set up the shot, the things I interact with that have already have happened is just that just really, really inspires me to go, God dang it, I'm gonna bring my A game twenty four frames a second to every shoot. And that's just that's where I get pumped up. It just it's just yeah. great. The hidden heroes are just fantastic. And, and I just I go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say I just working with these loving, supportive people and you know they got your back, you know what I mean? You know, it that you can look back at the director or I'm gonna try it again. Let me try it this way, you know. And and likewise when they say it's good, you know, then I l- forget it and I Trust move on to the next thing, you know what I yeah. mean? Because sometimes I can I have a tendency, and this is a personal personal thing that I'm always working on, but sometimes I can stew on it because I'm going, I can do that better. I can, sometimes you just have to go, you know what? It's perfect for the story for that moment. The director likes it. Now it's time to let that go. And now come into the new reality, to, which is the next scene, and, and focus on the next scene. Don't try to, you know, try to recreate, 
you want to have continuity in the acting, but you know, don't try to recreate and just kind of move along. And by having those people that you trust, you know, I can look over at Nick and it sound good. Am I coming across? Am I spiking the needle too much? No, it's great, you know. And that's really another side of it too, is we learn the artisans like the, the director of photography and sound. Let's just talk about those two for a second. As an actor, the technical side of acting is I want to be a delight for a director of photography. I want to be a delight for the sound person. Well, so, I, that's what I was going to ask. Does that make sense? Like, yes, and I was going to ask you, I was like, does, does seeing the process like in a, in a situation like this where you're doing it, an entire entire film, even though it's only it's eight minutes, but I mean, yeah. you're doing it all in 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. You are more, I, I can imagine, more closer to the action, closer to what, these guys, these other guys are doing, mm-hmm. you're, you're right there sort mm-hmm. of as they're doing it. Yeah. Um, does it give you, like you're saying, it's giving you an appreciation for what they do and making yep. you want to bring forth the best acting that you can bring forth Right. because you're realizing how much work they're putting in and you don't want to be the one that spoils all that work in a sense. Exactly right. But, I but, mean, but what I also am getting yeah. at is do you learn from them like do you do you do you like gleam knowledge from the seeing what they're doing yes and 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 watching them hone this craft and and yes and 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 create this film out of what you've just the little bits that you've acted for them yes and then watching it all come together as a full film yes you know what I mean? Yes, you know I know what I'm exactly trying to say? Like, yes, like, I do. Like, and what, like what, oh, what? I'm learning so much about directing. I'm learning so much about sound. I'm learning so much about lighting and, and, and why this is this way and how this is balanced. And you know what I mean? Like, you, you learn all that as you're going along, don't you? Well, I, I, I learn it from the – because my job there is to be an actor. Well, actually, in this case, I was also the producer. So I assembled a lot of these people. I wasn't going to hire assholes. Yeah. And, and that's one of my rules is I, I, I have a tendency – to I want to work with gentle, kind people. And now I'm not taking talking about pushovers. You know, these are very strong-willed when it comes to their art and their craft with their particular discipline. You know, that will stand on saying, "Hey, I don't think this is right," and they'll say something. But ultimately, the director makes the call. So I want to yeah. be very clear. I'm not talking about pushovers, but there is a there is a there's a good way to go. To go about it as an actor, my job is is to act. But I do believe, for me, for this actor in particular, for me, that there's two sides. You have the craft of the storytelling of embodying the character, which is the homework and stuff that I already do, uh, that every actor needs to do, and know your lines and all that stuff, and your motivations and your intentions stuff. But then, for me, it helps me to kind of there's that technical side of the acting, and what I mean by the technical side of the acting is is the only person I take direction from is the director, period. They're the boss. He or she is the boss. They're responsible for everything that is seen and heard and whatnot on the screen. That's their job. I take direction from them. What I try to do as an actor is have the sensitivity. So, for example, if I'm like, let's, you know, how can I, this goes back to me. I want to learn the craft to the point of I can be helpful and make the job of the sound person easier the director of photography easier right and that is you know when when we're doing an outside shot sometimes even though it's loud you know don't yell my lines i don't have to because the microphone's right there right 
So sure. it's, okay. it's, it's just kind of, so he doesn't have to adjust his knobs so much. The director of photography, for example, you know what I mean? You know, making sure I find my light. Now me understanding if he's using like a 50 millimeter lens and it's going to be close focus. So that means everything blurries behind me. And my, my face is, is the predominant element of that shot that say it's a close up. You know, I know I don't need to push the acting so much. I can use a lot more subtlety. So b by me being the technical actor, understanding these nuances of the tools that we're all using and the artisans behind those tools is, is that I can learn to leverage those to help tell the story where I don't. And the last thing you want to do as an actor is push. And I'm using that maybe for lack of a better word. Like, but, like, you know, like, like overact or something. Exactly. I don't need yeah, to or... so much expression. So if I sure. see using a 50 mil on that on the camera and I know it's a close-up, I know the background's going to be phasey and it's almost like my face is going to pop. And so, you know, I know that I, I don't have to work so hard in conveying an idea, you know, or, or have the audience – let the audience in on my thinking process, right? Because we want to evoke, you know, a response to the story. It's just like, you know, when I'm coming into a shot and I see that, okay – I'm not lab. In other words, I don't have a remote mic. It's let's say the booms above me or the booms below me. You know, I I am getting an idea of how to represent myself in that scene. That's the technical side. Then what? And here's the other side of it. I'm gonna totally contradict everything I just told you. Then I forget that it's all there, and you live in the moment with the other actor. Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, that's what you want to do. But w w to ingratiate myself to these artisans. So, I mean, hopefully they'll want to work with me again and, 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 you know, they'll recommend me for jobs and they'll go, yeah, that Conley, Jason Conley, boy, he's really, you know, he's, he, he approaches it in earnest and he appreciates the other artisans that are on the set. And I don't cop an attitude. It's just like when, um, when I'm acting, I, I always play a little bit through the cut. The director says cut, but I'll go ahead and finish that beat for a little bit. You know, maybe there's just a little nuance or it gives them a little extra that they're able to cut from to cut to the next scene. You know, it's just being sensitive to that. Or if there's a monologue and sometimes, you know, you have to artificially break it up. It sounds weird when you're seeing it filmed, but what it does is it gives the editor something to cut. So by yeah. leaving, you know, maybe just a beat or two extra at the end of a sentence before you say your next line... Well, it doesn't feel necessarily as organic as a naturalized conversation, but it does leave room for the editor to cut because they can always tighten those gaps up, right, and to make it a fluid course, conversation. Of course, yeah, yeah. And that's just the artistry of film acting. So when you have that and you have those folks around you, and, and I take time, and that's what's great about the 48s is, is um, you know, I go up to them and I say, hey, how can I be the greatest actor you've ever worked with? You know, <laughs> what are those qualities? You know, what, what helps you do your job? You know, um, just so I have that sensitivity, uh, not that it preoccupies me and deters me from doing my purpose of embodying the character. But again, this is that fine line. I mean, come on. We all know. I know that there's a camera in front of me. I know there's a boom. I could be labbed. I know there's a lighting crew. And I know there's 15 people standing around me. And that's the reality of the situation. But then I have to convey that that's not there, right? That I'm just trudging through the woods by myself in the trees, but without, you know, 22 people standing around. But that's, that's, the, that's the craft. That's the craft of acting. And I, for me, for this actor, it helps me to be sensitive so I can work with these folks to get the same shot. So when, when I know that you get a thumbs up from the director and I can look over at the DP and I see he's smiling, that means he's very happy with the shot. And that makes me happy with the shot. Because I'm one who doesn't like to look at what are called rushes or dailies. Those are yeah, yeah. what is, you know, the, the previous moments. I don't 
I choose not to look at those. I won't voluntarily look at those unless the director says, Jason, I want you to see this. Because maybe there's an element or maybe there's something he wants to convey saying, hey, I want you to be sensitive to this. You know, here's the shot. Here you are here. Playback for continuity. Absolutely. I'm all over it. But that won't be my first go-to. I try to try to let it go because that moment is now past. You can ask those questions in these environments, and, and I'm always wanting to learn and grow. And the crew is asking me questions too. You know, hey, what do actors like, or what's the best way to communicate with actors? Is a big question I get from directors and stuff like that. And so we share ideas how to convey, how to convey, and really work together because it's really you want to limit the the miscommunications or the misunderstandings as best you can. They're always going to come up. But if yeah. you can reduce those, it makes things much more enjoyable and much more efficient. And I find by having everyone know what their role is and their discipline on set, they can lean into that. But that doesn't mean they can't take a moment and kind of learn or observe something. Maybe they wouldn't normally be able to do on a commercial set only because, you know, you have real dollars involved and you have, you know, there's just a lot of, pressure when you're making a for-profit story you know um that we really got kind of can be a little a little freer here and i like creating that kind of environment in which people can kind of learn and maybe there's another discipline that they want to get into or they can get a little closer to the director of photography because maybe it's something that they're interested in well that's in kind of what i was getting so, at you know like like how much can you gleam or learn off of some of these other the people who are in the other disciplines you know Oh, well, a lot. I mean, it comes yeah. down to, I mean, I, any chance I get to get on set is a great reminder for me. You know, they don't call it the basics for nothing, right? The basics, it's always the basics. Go back to the basics. And sometimes it's just set etiquette, just simple set etiquette. And I find the biggest thing, at least for me, for me is, is knowing when to say something and knowing when to shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta, you know, you just gotta, the director's spoken and boom, that's it. You know, and you just got to learn when to be quiet and, and follow direction and listen. And it sounds so basic, but it's so easy to get caught up in the energy and the excitement. But really, sometimes the best thing you can do is just, you know, you, you, you do as you're told and, and you do your job the, the best that you can. And so when you get a magic group of people like this who are just honing and very great at what they do and they're just wanting to get better and we're all it's all a great learning environment while hopefully telling a story in a very unique and interesting and honest way and photographing it in a unique and honest way and sound and cutting it and all this wonderful stuff and everything contributes no one person can do it alone otherwise it'd just be a person of one and um it's just great and hopefully this will be something they we can all add to our imdb credit it will will be on imdb uh the internet movie database um and uh, that's something we'll be people will be proud of because it's again it's more button seat got more hours more button seat, you know, in front of the camera and do, making films and telling these wonderful stories and and meeting people and hearing of the different ideas and conveying things. It's just the greatest. It's just the greatest feeling in the world. And uh, well, it sounds like an amazing time. I just I'm I'm. I, I wish that it's I, part of me is like, oh, and you know, Jason, if I was up in Seattle, I would have been there right with you if you would have let me. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah, we could do a podcast from there. So, I mean, it's always it's always well, fun. In any I mean, caliber. It, I mean, like like uh, if you wanted me to be in it, if you wanted sure. me to do anything like I would have been whatever you need, I will do it. You know, <laughs> but isn't that wonderful? I mean, just listen to the attitude in which you're saying that. And you find so many people that are so giving. And the best thing that we can do to help people do that is to be organized, 
to be very clear what our needs are, to be very clear what we're trying to do. And if I can establish that as the producer, right, then it's very easy to get people on board because then they understand where we're driving towards. They understand how they can contribute, right? Yeah. So if people can are clear about how where their shoulders are the broadest and what they can bring to the game, then everyone feels great. Don't you feel great when you participate at your maximum level in the thing that you that you enjoy doing, that you draw strength from? It's oh, the same thing with me with acting. You know, when you see a well written story and and you have some thoughtful shots and, and thoughtful ways to tell that narrative on film, which is different than stage, it's just magical. And then when you have other actors who are listening and responding and everyone's just going for it. It's just, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's speechless. It's utopia. It's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I can't wait for the next one. We have a poster. I should, I'll email you the poster. It's, uh, it's on Facebook too, but okay. it's badminton to the bone. And, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a cute, it's a cute story. It's cute comedy. And, um, it's about this guy, Rich, uh, me played by me. And uh, we're playing badminton with my wife uh, and our two two friends, and they're the, we've been playing them for years, and they're always kicking our butt. And I get frustrated, and my loving wife, played by uh, Barbara Fitzgerald, uh, she um, she decides to uh, build a uh, time machine to uh, help us uh, win at uh, at badminton. And Great, that's that's a good goal for a time machine. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's well. What I like the about the first it, thing I would do with one. <laughs> well, well. What's funny? Yeah, I know, right? But we wanted didn't want to do the cliche of we wanted to. I mean, you think about time machine. People talk about going back or going forward in time by decades or centuries or whatnot. We didn't want to go that route for our story. It's actually just about going back in moments in time. So, you know, uh, maybe a shot that wasn't blocked is now blocked you know that kind of yeah we wanted to kind of do a little different uh a different a different twist on it and so it was just yeah it's just a great experience that's fascinating christina any any questions or thoughts for jason there uh no i was just enjoying taking the whole process in and I can you tell wait. I could talk a lot about it? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. When, <laughs> well, when it's fascinating, though. And when, it's fascinating. And when something's your passion, you know, um, it's so easy to talk about. Like, I have, you know, a few things I'm passionate about, and I could talk someone's ear off, and they're probably like saying, you know, and which has happened often, you know, or like Not you're in. Us. Yeah, no, 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 no. Or, uh, so Jason, you know, I was just thinking, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so no, I, I, I'm very fascinated. I can't wait to see it or, uh, you know, things like that. I'd love the pictures that you sent, uh, in the email and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah, we are too. We are too. So hopefully we'll, uh, get the opportunity because there's nothing like seeing it on the big screen. Everyone's you know, work coming together on the big screen. It's a lot, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to sit in a darkened theater and enjoy a story together. And so it's, it's a lot of fun or on television, of course. Uh, but in this case with this parameter was, was, was on the screen. That makes it a lot of fun just to, you know, see it in a theater. I know. See yeah. your head 15 feet tall. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and sometimes I don't like to hear my voice. I don't like the way I look sometimes. <laughs> so it's, it's funny. So all those insecurities that, that I have found common, maybe not for everybody, but at least is, you know, a lot of people don't like the sound of their own voice or, uh, or, maybe how, or, or how they look. It's, you know, I, I go through those, you know, those moments, you know, too. It's like, oh, did I really, you know, I guess because I know my own tics and I try to not have those show through. But, you know, you start yeah. with yourself. You know, you got to start with yourself, start from real life and and hopefully it doesn't detract and people enjoy the story. Yeah. Well, and I know I know there are some actors and actresses and stuff that can't watch themselves. They... You know, there are a few that, that don't. I understand Christopher Walken doesn't really, once he's finished with the project, he doesn't necessarily go back and see the picture. And he's, yeah, you know, he's finished with it. I don't know if it's because he doesn't like watching himself. I think he just kind of says, I'm finished, I'm done. I mean, it's complete and the director's happy, I'm happy. So yeah, I got used to it a lot because... You know, I give them all a listen before I post them just to make sure there's no skips or any weird. Because sometimes there's a weird technical glitch that I wasn't when we were listening, when we were recording it, you never hear it. But when you listen to the recording, it's like, wait a minute, how did I heard her totally fine that day, but all of a sudden Christina cut out, you know? Mm hmm. And it's like, so I have to, I have to do a little bit of an edit and cut that little piece out and make sure that. The dialogue still flows, makes so that your point, your point still comes across, but that little whatever glitch that happened is not there. So the listener doesn't go, "What the hell? This podcast is crap." <laughs> but yeah. isn't that isn't that interesting? See, I can't imagine because the, obviously the listening audience hears us, doesn't see us. Um, it it's not interesting because I, I listen to you two, and it's it's comforting to me. Because it's like those you guys are familiar voices that are that are very comforting to me, and I, I kind of sit back and go, I wonder if I'm comforting to no you, you does are that make yeah. Sense? yeah you have that you yeah. you, know, you have your cadence and you ha- you get used to these and and hopefully this is what endears people to not only the the subject matter that we're talking hopefully it's our our unique authentic personalities in the way that we convey things that people find and you know soothing that they enjoyable yeah. and. Yeah, and things that they love and we love and they love hearing other, you know, when you want to sit there and talk to somebody about the same things that you like, you know, whether it be comics, uh, movies, shows, Star Wars, you know, all of movies, writing, books, everything, you know. And, you know, when you you have a group of people who are also friends come together and talk about and you're supporting someone in their endeavors, whether it be uh, your acting or, you know, selling stuff or books or artwork or mm-hmm. whatever someone may doing it's yeah. our passions going to that person you know our passion support behind them you know and i was telling someone the other day i said you know it's it's amazing to find such a group of people um that you know you're just like man i could hang out with these people all the time and the because- cool thing the cool thing is like you got your blog that you do once in a while. Once Jason, a Jason's got his acting. Uh, Matt is now working for an amazing video game company, creating Anthem game, the, the game. Uh-huh. And, you know, Michael is doing extraordinary with his books, his novels, uh-huh. you know, uh, Rob, Rob his with his artwork and now getting into T-shirts and merchandise for Marvel and Star Wars, like official merchandise, you know, it's like, Everybody has a thing that you're succeeding at in a different realm, you know, like 
Rob with the comics and the Marvel and Star Wars art and official merchandise and you with your blog once in a while and Michael and with his novels and and Jason with his acting and Mad with her with her uh, video game work and in a you know for Bioware. I mean, come on, it's like one of the biggest companies around. And John and, and I sit here and go woohoo! And, 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 and the other Jason Rigdon, even though he hasn't been on in a while, but him. He's helped start the podcast. Yeah. It, the uh, he's been doing so well lately with uh, software and trying to get his companies off the ground. And it's like, I mean, he was a finalist at this one uh, show that he did just a couple weekends ago for for his software that he's developing. And uh, even though he didn't win, he was in the finalist uh, category, and you know the judges got to see it. And I I was I'm thinking like, you know. Those things, like, you should never take it as a negative if you don't be the ultimate top winner. Because if you're in the top 10 and you're in the finalists, all that software up on the big screen, they're checking it out. They're seeing what you did. They liked it enough for you to get into the finalist category. And then even if you didn't win the full competition or whatever you're at, someone in the audience may look at that in a few weeks or a month down the road go... I need to get back in with that guy because I liked his idea, even though he didn't win. I, I personally liked it better than the one that did win. And I want to work with this person and make that into something that becomes a new Microsoft or whatever. You know what I mean? You never know. Yeah. yeah I, you I know never know. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And if it can inspire some folks to go, Hey, I've always wanted to do that, but I don't know how to start, you know, or at least you can get a dialogue going or what kind of ideas, can popcorn from this or what kind of things can we inspire? That's very exciting. If, yeah. if, if our, if our show here can inspire somebody to take that first step, right. To, to, you know, talking about it isn't the same thing as doing it. So you'd finally do something about it. You know, done is better than perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. Get it out there get it going. Well, Walt Disney said it best. The best way to start, start something is to quit talking and start doing, you know, and this can be that, <laughs> right, that motivator exactly. to do it. So, and you never know until you take a step forward if that's going to go somewhere or, okay, that step forward didn't lead to anywhere, but the idea is floating out there and it not might not be right now, but it could be again later. Like John was saying, like the opportunity I told you guys that I was going to have for work stuff, uh, something a little bit different didn't pan through. I mean, I, I, I wasn't looking for it, but it was a new opportunity and seemed exciting and someone suggested it and I gave it a shot and the people were excited and then I got the email saying, I'm sorry. And I was like, but it's like, but now they're aware that I'm, I have multi-talents in things I can do. And it's, you, you, I tell people, you don't know until you try. And even though I tell anybody, no question is a dumb question. Okay. Yeah ask you don't know unless you ask and it's the same thing with you know uh writers submitting books to publishers or putting them out there self-published you never know until you try same thing with your acting thing you never know until you try same thing with selling stuff um the art um everybody else doing their thing you never know until you try and it could take you know people like i was talking to one of my friends she's a writer 
and she was trying to put ads on Amazon about her books and she called me and she goes, okay, what books are similar to mine? I need your help. And I'm sitting there and we're, I'm taking a walk and we're think, I'm thinking about all the books I've read. And I'm like, did you put this one? Yes, I did. Did you put this one? Yeah, I did. And I'm like, crap, we're thinking of the same books. Because what happens is when you're, say, you're looking at this book, I'm going to say Sarah drove a school bus. It says other people who read this book also read blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. and then this is sponsored by blah. You know, it, it basically gives, it shows the person's book in similarity to that one. And she was saying sometimes people could see it the first time and grab it. Sometimes it's getting it past someone's eyes like, well, that looks interesting. Oh, unless you have a friend like me that waves the book in your face and goes, read it. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's. It, it, that's what I tell people. You never know until you try and what's going to catch fire. Whereas I'm impatient and want my friend stuff to catch fire like immediately. Uh, I'm just passionate. But I just tell people you never know unless you try. And so many well, people are afraid of not trying. That, the that's right. well, 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 what I want to say is I want to I want to change try to do. Right. Because because I was just thinking about it. Like a lot of people have asked over the years, what the hell did Yoda mean? By do or do not, there is no try. And what I say is that, well, trying usually ends up with you having an excuse. Exactly. Like, like, well, I tried, but blah, blah, blah. But there's always a but, blah, blah, blah with with a try. So do or do not means I did it. So trying doesn't mean you try. Like, Like what people think of as I tried. Trying means you did it. You did it. But it just didn't work out this time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And So and you it, did it. You didn't try. You did it. But it just didn't work right. out to the end point this time. You know, so I you, have an example. You should do that's, it again. That's, and then if you do not, that means you decided in your head before even doing the, the thing that you can't do it. And that's negative. So you either do something or you do not do something. Well, and I think that's what Yoda was trying to get across is I, do you understand what I'm trying to say yeah, there? Yes. Yeah. Cause I, I, one of the big, one of the questions I get asked a lot is Jason, how do you deal with all the rejection? You mm. know what I mean? I audition for more stuff than I get. God, yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting is, is that I, my, I, I've shifted my perspective over the years to whenever I hear a no, well, usually you don't hear anything at all, but you know, yeah. whenever I hear a no, I don't necessarily hear no. I hear rather a not now. And there's a nuance. I'm not trying to bamboozle myself. But what it is is that these directors, producers, screenwriters, who's ever holding the auditions, that um, I audition for a part and I don't get it. I don't hear no. I hear not now because they're going to be working on other projects in the future. And if I represent myself well, and while I may not have been right for that particular role, maybe I'll be right for the next one. Exactly. Or, or, they, or they saw you, or they saw you and said, you know, we had this guy try out, and he wasn't good for this, but I know he's going to be good for your part over here. I'm going to send him your way. Right. You know? Exactly. And, yeah. And it's the same thing with, I think I found people in books. It's like, okay, this book wasn't for me, but I know someone over here, like uh, an agent or something, will read someone's book and it says, no, this wasn't right for our company, but I know someone who's looking for this type and they pass it on, which is great. And 
um, because I do a lot of workouts, you can apply this do or do not, there is no try. Um, I do a lot of workouts and I listen to a lot of trainers and they tell you, go to fail. You yeah. Work, you, yeah. you push yourself till you absolutely fail. Like I'm lifting weights and it's like. Until your lift, arm can't move. Anymore. Right. And I can't lift my arm anymore. And then they say, and you put them down. You either pick up the light ones or you do the movement without them. You don't stop. You keep moving forward you don't just and so many people just quit on themselves quit on opportunities quit on um, a chance at a friendship or a relationship or whatever because they're afraid of blah 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 you know uh, no my book isn't gonna make it I've tried so many times and it's like maybe it wasn't that one but maybe it is the next one and maybe that one will be seen again by someone else you know and well, well I love Stephen King's thing he said that yeah. his first novel was turned down over 150 times mm -hmm. so think about that for a minute and now look at him no one would turn away one of his books. You know, they're going to publish it regardless. <laughs> yeah, but John, just think what he could have been. They would have said that. I mean, <laughs> it could have been the wrong. If someone took him, it could have been the wrong thing, and his well, uh, it could have been bad. That's right. And one of the best things, and this is a, a, just a personal learning that I've I've had to develop as far as my own philosophy goes is 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 how can I make it easier for folks to deploy me? Right. So. One of the and it does take effort, right? It's like a yeah. jump rope. You buy a jump rope at the store, you take it out of the box, you lay it on the ground. It's just a rope. I mean, you have to apply the jump, right? Yeah. So there is some effort, but it it's it's really not that much effort because sitting in my mind isn't going to do any good because no one's going to know about it. So what I have found is is know what I believe, know how to articulate what that is, and in mm -hmm. such a way that I can share it with others to make it easier for them to include me in the very thing in which I feel in acting, for example, right? So why say no when it's so easy to say yes? And the way I can make it easier for you to say yes is to know exactly how to deploy me. So for example, one of the statements that I have for myself is I feel strong working in an ensemble as an actor in the telling of a story in a complete, compelling, and unique and honest way, right? And by making it known, and that's why you kind of hear me have some fun on the on the podcast of, of you know, shouting it out to the universe. Hey, you know, I'd love to be in a Star Wars picture, have a speaking role in a Star Wars picture. If anybody knows how I can audition, let me know. Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, give me a call. Yeah, I, mean, I have fun with that. Whoever it is that yells at us for for saying something ahead of time. Yeah, yeah you, whoever, whoever whoever wants me to keep my mouth shut and is paying attention to this take, podcast. Take and I mean, I'm, I'm picking on Star Wars only because that was something that changed my life in 1977 and why I am an actor today. So, I mean, that is a beloved part and what Mr. Lucas did and everything is a beloved part of my past. But if I don't make it known, how are people going to know? Now, exactly. for that particular yeah. project, uh, it's a pretty steep curve you know, to get in on those auditions, and I know that. But at least make it be known. Let, it, let the universe know, because you never know. You never know what can happen. Yeah. And so my, my wish for everyone that's listening today that is in that quandary is find out exactly what that is about yourself. What are those areas where your shoulders are the broadest? And just pick one thing. It doesn't mean you're only limited one, but just get very specific and learn how to articulate it. Just like that strength statement I gave you, how I like to be participate in an ensemble as an actor in the telling of a story in a complete and honest and authentic way. 
in film or in television or stage or what that is. But what that does is that really helps people that when you're sharing that with them, they know how to deploy you. And if you can make it easier for them, then it makes it easier for them to help you and how to plug it in. And again, it goes back to why say no when it's so easy to say yes. Yeah. So well, say and, yes to me. <laughs> yeah, and, there and, you I go. Can, and we can now say that this has been the uplifting portion, the encouraging portion of the Super Awesome Geek Show. There you go. Yeah. Where we encourage others to reach for their goals. And may I also say, something that I learned is, and I don't think any of us maybe have a problem with it, but it's something I learned is, and I heard someone say this statement, and it kind of goes along in wrapping up that little piece. If someone gives you a compliment, uh, an encouragement, uh, anything, you know, to brighten your day. Like, you are beautiful. You are handsome. You are lovely. You are good at what you do. You are what? Here's the gift. Whatever. And you turn around and negate it or slough it off. It steals their joy of giving you that compliment, uplifting thing, gift, whatever. And, and I just, and it, I read that and I was like, wow. That hit me because how many times you try to be modest and say, oh, no, 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 you know, or, oh, thanks, you know, right. if you say so, or you, you, it's a half thanks, you, you just, or, or, or really, no, you know, it, it, I didn't realize that. It's like that person is, you know, it, especially gifts, you know, and people like, I didn't want this. You're just like, uh, you know, or you know, someone saying, Hey, you were, you did really good in that piece. And even though you might have thought you didn't do good in that piece and you thought, you know, you're probably like, I know I could have done better saying, nah, I was kind of crap. You know, it's like, well, they just gave you a compliment and you just took their joy away from being excited. You know what I mean? Like, I no, never, that's, that's, I that's... never thought of that. And it's, it's kind of like, that's what I think we're so great here as a podcast and supporting our people because it's like you know i think it, it everybody needs that you know uplifting the, anyway i don't know how to say what else i'm gonna say no i, I oh, think you, I i'm think also you hearing on, thunder in the background i no, think I, you hit it on the head there you just nailed it yeah and i think it's great and and also acknowledge the fact that they decided to stop make a conscious effort to take the time to yeah. figure out how to articulate it to you to go up to you and say excuse me i wanted you to know whatever the positive, you know, feedback is and in to give, to honor that, the fact that they took their time to tell you that. And what I, a nice, I, what a I nice made, gift. I made a conscious effort to try not to say that. Like some people can come back with, Oh no, there's someone better than me or, Oh no. Um, I'm sure you're blind, you know, making a joke about it or, Oh no, you, you, you person down number one and you're negating their comment number two and you're just like blah 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 you know and then there's me who goes no I wouldn't have told you that had I not felt that or thought that so no you should believe me because and and I'm I'm sitting there I'm like now I'm trying to convince this person that they're pretty awesome and I'm kind of aggravated now (laughs) you know it's one of those you're just like ah you know I think that uh, now that we've gone on this tangent, I don't know what else to say. Well, well, the thing that we got to get into quick, and we'll see how fast we can get through these, was we did have a goal to talk real quick. Well, we were going to talk extensively, but now let's do it quick 
about the trailers that everything that came out at San Diego Comic-Con this weekend. That makes me cry. I love that place. I've been one time. There was so much. Oh, I've been one time. I saw Sarah Palin there. It was uh, right after uh, Eclipse came out from the Twilight Saga. Um, It just... You think that the con I went to in Dallas was awesome. You think that, I'm sure, Emerald City. San Diego Comic-Con is like... Another level. Another world. Oh, my word. It is... You're like, I I could get lost just walking in this crowd. Like, (laughs) you know... I actually was thinking, like... Should it even be called a Comic Con anymore? Because there's hardly anything to do with comics, right? No, it's all it, toys. Movies. Everything I saw this weekend was toys Just, and yes. movies and television, and I barely saw any information about comic releases. There I is saw comic individual... sections there, but they get overpowered by yes. all this movie because everybody's they all release any movie that's coming out. Big time movie is the trailer or special this or that is going to be released at San Diego Comic-Con. That's the time to do it. Yeah. Cause like I was going to say, like we'll go through them pretty quick, but the one they pulled out like dark tower, they put out a new trailer for that, even though it's only coming out. Like I think it's August 4th, right? It's a couple weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. And man, that thing looks awesome. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm, I, I didn't. Oh, check I it don't out. See, I don't see any previews for any films that I'm not in. Check it out. <laughs> I don't go to films all that much. <laughs> Hope that they can do this this last and they do all seven, maybe slash eight books. That I don't know if that eighth one is a really needed or if it's just something. I mean, it fits in somewhere in the middle of the story, right? Phenomenal. And it looks great. I, I can't wait to see the gunslinger in action. And Matthew McConaughey is playing the the dark one, the black man or whatever, right? In Holy Cow. He looks great doing it, and his acting just, I mean, he's always phenomenal. You know what I mean? All right, all right, all right. (laughs) And uh, I want to go into some Netflix stuff, Defenders. That's coming out in August as well, right? Freaking Iron Fist, Daredevil. Yeah, I think, oh, I can't wait for Daredevil. The Punisher. Jessica oh. Jones, Luke Cage, all in one. Elektra's in it. It's like Defenders has everybody that has been in the Marvel. I can't wait for that one. Netflix universe in one show. I, it's just going to blow the doors off of everyone. It's going to be amazing. Stranger Things 2 in October. Stranger Things 2. Did you love that trailer with the thriller? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Dragon's Lair in the arcade, right? Yes. And then what else? Oh, Oh no, that's I wasn't gonna talk about that. I just I guess because I I watched one oh, there goes some lightning. Um I watched um one or two uh things of Riverdale. Um I don't know if that if they've they've put more out on that yet or if anybody has seen it. There was some news about it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny because it's the Archie people, but it's not Archie esque. <laughs> And it's more of a, I describe it as Archie meets Twin Peaks, <laughs> but without the weirdness of Twin Peaks. It, it's, it's a good, I've, I've watched two things of it and um, I, I, it's good. I recommend that to anybody who's interested in that style 
of of stuff. But uh, I think what we're most excited for is Star Wars. I mean, oh, I know that thing blew me away. Yeah, I mean, I'm just sitting here going, it. Why is it December? Why didn't they put it out <laughs> in the summer? What's with the December releases, Star Wars? Why can't you release on anything on May the fifth as well? Why can't you release anything on the Star Wars birthday? I think I'm they need just, to go back to May. Yeah, Look, go back. To I'm May. just asking because, uh, yeah, I it waiting till December is so long, and I'm not comparing waiting for Star Wars like waiting for Twilight. I'm I'm not, but it's the same. You know, when you really want a movie to come out and it's taking forever, and especially a big movie as Star Wars, you're just like, I mean. That that's got to gross a big box office because it also will be uh, Carrie Fisher's last film. Oh yeah, you know it'll be dedicated to her too. Right, and yeah. you know, and I think I think anybody can. How many people are going to cry watching this film? Well, I I we I was talking to my brother today. Like, he's like, this really had to have been a bombshell for them on the third film because she was as far as he was. He's like trying to verify with me. He was like, she was the only classic actress actor besides anthony daniels that was going to be in all three of these new films because mm-hmm. she was the general for the resistance and i was like as far as i know you're correct you know because um but luke was in well he wasn't fully in uh not luke but you know yeah he you know technically that's the beginning of the second film of the last jedi is what you got to see was the slight beginning you know, it should have really ended like Empire Strikes Back, where, you know, if if Empire Strikes Back had ended with them landing on the desert planet and you see the beginning of Return of the Jedi and then it just stops, that would have made the ending kind of lame. And I felt like that's sort of what they did with Force Awakens. It's like they didn't need to have that island scene that was just thrown in there to get Mark in the film, you know. And it's like, and you know he's not going to make it through this one because of his comments and stuff and his things he said on Twitter and even what he said in that behind the scenes thing with like, Oh, they're throwing my character in a direction that I never would have taken him, you know, which we all know means that Mark wants to be more on screen and playing Luke more. And what they did is they're giving him less time. <laughs> he's playing a Yoda esque role. Yeah. In a sense. And I think he's going to die personally. Mm. He's like, you know, and I know when, uh, Harrison Ford's Harrison Ford died as, as Han Solo, but he wanted his character to have a spectacular death. Yeah, he wanted and, an ending. Yeah, yeah, and he got it. And but I mean, how many people cried? And I know a few people who were mad. They were like literally pissed off that. Well, some... they think there cannot be any redemption for Kylo now. That's it. Nah, and well, and they were pissed off that Han Solo died, and I was just like, and people are like, nah, he came back. I'm like, I don't think you could come back through a lightsaber through the chest. I'm well, Dark Ball was cut in half, and he came back. So. Right, he came back cartoon form. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. So you know, if if Darth Maul can come back after being cut in half, he can do anything in Star Wars. I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> but yeah. Anyway. But I also wanted to bring up a few others, like Voltron's having a third season. They had all those trailers come out this weekend. It's going to be the princess, just based on the old cartoons. She did end up driving one of the lions and wearing a pink outfit. Mm. Uh, So I think it's going to be her. But then uh, 
let's see. So we also got oh one it's really interesting called Bright on Netflix. If you have not seen the trailer for this, I highly recommend it. Bright? You, yeah, it's called Bright. Will Smith is in it. It's a oh, feature film. Yes, yes, I saw uh, it on top. Humans, orcs, elves, fairies, uh, pixies, like all these things live together in this world. And an orc is his partner on the police force. So Will Smith is partnered with an orc on the police force. And there, and what happens is there's a wand that's discovered. And um, it makes it, it make the preview makes you believe that like, Magical items were lost thousands or millions of years ago. And when this wand gets discovered, everybody wants it. The elves, the humans, the orcs, the pixies, the fairies, like everybody wants this wand. And there's one little girl who has it and they have to try to keep her and the wand safe from all of the people who would do evil by getting the wand in their hands, you know? Hey, quick note, uh, lightning has overhead me, so Ooh, exciting. Uh, I might uh, and then be zapped. If you, if you do be zapped, we'll, we'll see you. But Blade Runner, a <laughs> couple <laughs> weeks. Yeah, right, the new Blade. Yep. Ryan uh, Gosling. Star Trek Discovery. Boy, the Klingons look odd, don't they? Did you see the trailer for Star Trek Discovery, the new TV show? They don't. I, the Klingons have gone always through this generation. Klingons. I think that's how they should. I didn't think they're too bad there at all. And actually, from um, Star Trek: The Motion Picture, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. And then there's one weird one coming out called The Shape of Water, about a woman who is uh, deaf. Right. Sorry, Goodbye. guys. It things are flashing down. So if I lose power, I didn't want to. Just disappear. He was hanging. Okay. Well, have a great night. Jason and I will finish up real quick. Yeah, we'll finish up. Don't touch anything metal. Stay safe. I won't. All right. Go go outside and lift a golf club in the air. There you go. (laughs) Under a tree while riding a horse. Uh, (laughs) Rip. All right. right. Stay geeky, Christina. You too, guys. Bye. 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 Yeah, Shape of Water. My brother's question was, is it related at all? Because the, the deaf woman, she befriends what looks like the guy that was in Hellboy, the underwater dude there. What was his name? I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. And like, it's kind of a creature of the black lagoon kind of guy. And she befriends him. And I was like, I don't think it has anything to do with Hellboy, but she does say that they, they do say in the trailer, they work for the organization. And I go, if you end up watching it, it turns out the organization is the BPRD then yeah, it is related to Hellboy, and it very go. well could be him, you know? Well, it's almost like, why not, right? I mean, a lot of these franchises are starting to either reboot or... Spin off, you Or know? spin off, or, or come together, you know? Yeah. Which is, I don't know, that's kind of that's kind of neat, because, I mean, there's definitely a huge need for content. While I hate, you know, re- re- retelling of, of some stories, I like to see new stuff, it is kind of fun to visit, you know, some new... Um, adjustments and, to the and, world, right? Or an angle on something, a new angle, or come at it from a new direction, yeah. And then, what I have about Thor, Thor Ragnarok, I had two questions about it. One was, at the end of Doctor Strange, there was an after credit scene where Doctor Strange and Thor are talking about Ragnarok and Hela coming down, and he gets, he, Doctor Strange gets up and he's like, this is my specialty, let's go. And they act as if they're 
going to do it together to solve this problem and find Odin and Thor's father. But yeah, in all of the trailers, in the extended view we got to see that was like four, four to five minutes long from San Diego Comic-Con, there's no mention at all of Doctor Strange. There's no showing of him on the screen. There's no talk of him in any of the write-ups or literature about it. And I'm like, so does that end scene at the after the credits of Doctor Strange, has that been written out? Oh. Did they change it? All or right. are we just seeing bits and pieces that are really just at the beginning of the movie and Doctor Strange comes in at the end to sort of help solve the problem, you know? And all it is is just that they're focusing right now on showing us the gladiatorial thing between the Hulk and Thor. Sure. So they haven't had room to stick the Doctor Strange stuff in yet. Or what? Like, where is he? He was clearly in it at the end of the Doctor Strange movie. So, and I thought he was great, and I think it's a fantastic idea to have him in Ragnarok. So, I'm hoping that he's not, hasn't been thrown off and, you know, what do they say? Like, uh, ripped off the drawing board, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and then I got to say something about Hela's costume. When they write and draw comic books, okay, they can draw and write anything that comes to their imagination. And sometimes you look at the comic and you go, there is absolutely no way that anyone in real life would wear that outfit. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You look at a comic and you're like, there's spikes coming out of her head and things all over the place and this long flowing robe that is like longer than you're possibly any human or anything could wear. And you're like, this just doesn't make any sense at all. It's totally impractical. If they ever did this on the screen, it would look goofy, and there's no way that they could ever do this outfit. They would absolutely have to change it. And there's so many comic book characters where I would say that while looking at it on the page. But then they recreated Hela for the big screen looking almost identical with all of her headgear and everything, and she looks perfect, like beautiful, absolutely amazing. And I'm like, they pull it off. So no matter how crazy now I think a comic book is, they're going to be able to do it on the big screen and let the characters have the outfits that they have in the comics. Yeah. And it's still going to work. And I, I see that now, you know, and I, I think for years it was one of those things that people were always like, they're never going to be able to do that because of how stupid or how weird that costume looks. But now it's like, no. It's like if you can pull off Hela and make it look that awesome, even though she's still got that weird costume, it's like, yeah, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Now I can see Galactus showing up with his weird helmet and ball purple and blue, you know? <laughs> I think that's the the great challenge for the you know, the costume designer, the artistic directors and stuff like that. It's and and bring in those because there is an expectation that's set in the comics, right? And it yeah. seems like the the delta between what is feasible and able to be done because of technology and 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 I'm just talking technology, maybe in fabrication of making certain things look really, really realistic, in practical, in practical. You know what I mean? It's it's very exciting. As an actor, I get excited about that because a lot of times, I mean, it's really the wardrobe that can help you become you know, the character, complete. 
you know, the character, because, you know, how it feels and how you move in the costume or how you move in the battle armor or something like that conveys it. And it really, as an actor, I use it to use that external input to help me convey that characters. Maybe there's a certain, you know, like a restriction or the weight to the armor or something that gives you a certain feel and and an attitude and it's it, it's so important it's so important especially when you have heavily themed like superheroes um yeah um even though i love the original christopher reeve supermans <laughs> you know his, <laughs> his his colored leotard you know what i mean it's i mean <laughs> but did. it worked for that I mean, time it, it, it did was work great yeah. i don't know it still works for me today actually i know it does you know? i think he was one of the best <laughs> yeah I think all Superman, anyone who acts as Superman is going to be compared to Reeves. There's no, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, no question. But speaking of Superman, it's a good segue to the last one I wanted to bring up: the Justice League. Yes, they had a great four and a half minute, like viewing, uh, full of scenes, and I just got to say, man, Superman's long hair. Holy cow! This is going to be awesome. You know he's coming back. I mean, they they totally hint at it. They show the long hair in that one picture we got to see. And I'm like, the one thing I wanted to bring up is the character, the bad guy in the film is Steppenwolf. And Steppenwolf in the comics was one of the commanders of Darkseid's parademon army. So... I want to say, and, and he looks fairly close to the comic book rendition. I mean, there are some slight changes. I, I, I think they've made him more alien than it were in the comic. It looked like a, more of a human wearing a costume. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this one, they kind of made him more alien-esque. He's kind of got a grayish, pale skin, it sort of seemed like. I don't know. Or it could have just been the lighting in the one shot that you got to see his face. I don't know. But he still has the horns. He still looks devilish-like. He's got the armor. It looks great. But I noticed his dialogue. He says, there are no protectors here. No lanterns. He said that. No lanterns. No Kryptonian. This world will fall like all the others. So I took that. I went, no lanterns. There's no Green Lantern Corps to stop him on Earth. So I'm like... They just dropped a hint that the Green Lantern Corps, the Lanterns, Green Lantern himself, is in the new DC Extended Universe films. But he just hasn't had his film yet. You know what I mean? Mm, yes, yes, I'm, I am following you. Yeah, so I'm like, that was a cool drop. I was like, I don't know how many people caught that. I think it's cool that you caught that. But yeah, but I was like, that's a pretty cool drop. I go, so I hope we get to see a Green Lantern Corps movie of the whole core, you know, in, in a real, like seriously done film more so than that. What, what they came out with a few years ago with, uh, Ben Affleck playing him in, no, was, no it was, no, uh, no, no, Ryan no, Reynolds, yeah. right? Ryan, it was uh, Deadpool. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds, right? Um, the guy who played, yeah, no, Deadpool. it wasn't Affleck cause Affleck was, um, Batman. He was Batman, but before that he was, Daredevil, uh, right. Daredevil. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a good drop. And then knowing that it's Steppenwolf as the big baddie in this one, he's leading the Parademon army. Does that mean that in the future we'll see Darkseid? And I really hope so because Darkseid is like the ultimate villain to Superman. 
And he could be the DC Universe's equivalent to Thanos that, of what they've been doing in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, they could be building this up to having a, a, a big giant clash with Darkseid and the whole Justice League coming in to have to deal with him. And uh, if, there's, if so, I hope they do him justice. He's got to look just as good as he has in the comics and uh, be just as badass as he has been in the comics and the cartoons and all the right. video games and various renditions of him. And uh, better keep the same color scheme. You better have the same powers, the Omega Beams. Yeah, if they all go that too stuff, far, you know? yeah, that's tricky, right? If they decide to... That's how everyone knows that character, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like... Uh taking away the violin from Sherlock Holmes or his pipe or you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just... <laughs> well, it did work in the film, in the in the BBC series, Sherlock, you know? <laughs> of course, they made nods to it. They, they He was like, I, you know, he was always like, I want you to, Watson was always like, I want you to wear the hat. He goes, I'm not wearing the hat, you know? So they at least nodded to it. You yeah, know? yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's but uh, the last thing we got to do before we go, though, Jason. So yes. I just want to, you know, I wanted to run through those trailers that we saw. I wanted to run through some of those new shows and new things that are coming out. Just do a quick rundown on that and say, hey, everybody, if you haven't checked them out, check those things out. Some of that is just amazing. Um, but we have a Lego Batman draw to do. Now, what I was doing was on Twitter. Thank you to everybody. I want to say a big thank you to everyone out there on Twitter. We hit over 3,000 followers this weekend. Oh, yay! So, 3,000! Yes, yeah, so 3,000, it's a big goal. And uh, people just tell me that things just really start taking off once you break that point. And I want to say thank you to all the people who did. And I promised everybody out there throughout the week and, and this weekend you know, that were sitting in line, listening to us while you were waiting in line at San Diego Comic-Con for things. We had a lot of talking going back and forth on Twitter while people were at San Diego Comic-Con. And uh, I know a lot of you guys that were there were really helping to push us to get to that 3,000 follower goal. And I promised that if we got there, we'd do a giveaway. So I have a custom-made like mini Batmobile with Batman is in a Bat Knight suit, who's also a custom Batman, and then a bunch of uh, Batman Lego movie minifigures, and it's all in one big giveaway. And the only thing you had to do to enter that giveaway was just to retweet and help us pass the word. And we got, let me check it out here. So right now at the end. We have 26 retweets, so that's how many people who entered to try and get this Batman set of Lego. So, Jason, right now, pick a number 1 through 26. 1 through 26. 26. You're going to pick the last number? I'm picking the last number. So the last person on the list is Christopher at the Irish on Fire. He's in New Hampshire. All right. Yay. He does the Lost at Home podcast. So Christopher, who does another podcast, wins the Lego set. Congratulations. Yay, Christopher. Yay. And uh, so check him out at the Irish on Fire and Lost at Home podcast. Also does promo work for Alterna Comics. 
So, uh, yeah, if he wants this, he gets it. Nice. All right. Well done. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who retweeted and followed along, who got us up over that 3000 mark. That was just, it's just, it blows my mind that we have that many followers now. We're actually at 3021. So not only did we break it, we got 21 extra followers. That's wonderful. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. That really, really means a lot to us. And it's encouraging to us to continue to do the shows and the stuff that we're doing. And John, thank you for being our leader in this, John. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of fun doing it. I just enjoy talking with you guys, talking with all the great people that we have as as hosts on the show. Like we were saying, we got so much talent on the show, and it's great that we all come from different disciplines and we can bring different ideas and different thoughts from those disciplines to this show. Yeah. And hopefully it comes through and the audience just enjoys it. And, I mean, 3,000 followers on Twitter means, hey, there are quite a few people who are enjoying it, right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Or at least enjoying our Twitter conversations. right. Because that's the other thing I love is talking with people on Twitter. And, and when we get those conversations going and ideas flowing about something, it's really great. And even though I'm wrong half the time, you know, I come, <laughs> up, with, I come up with something that I see and I go, hey, is this what it is? And someone like Fly Guy will, will chime in and go, no, you're totally wrong. It's this. They already said it. And I'm like, well, I missed that, I guess. So but thank you for filling me in and letting me know. There you know? go. That's right. Cause, right? Cause that's, that's, that's just how it is. It's just great. You know, you, you can't. No one has time to read everything and no one has time to know everything. So like when I make something up or something comes in my head, I go, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? And it's great when someone comes up and goes, well, here's the actual fact and how you can find it and where I found it. And it's great to finally get to know that information. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that nobody really blasts you for being wrong. You're just, you know, you can be wrong and everyone's just like, Hey, that's cool. Whatever. (laughs) It was a good. It was a good theory while it lasted. Yeah, we're taking a swing at it. We're just, you know, trying to stimulate a, a constructive dialogue, and it's amazing all the knowledge that people have out there, and the way they have, and their abilities to find out things is astonishing to me. It's yeah. just amazing. And just uh, amazing. And the other thing I love now about this podcast is we we have people all over. We come from Florida, Washington State, Texas, yep. New York, and Canada. So it's like. We're covering two nations yeah. in all corners of the United States. Yeah, you know? that's so right. It's like you know, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just overjoyed by by what we have here in this group, and I, I'm I'm loving it. And I love that you were able to come on today and talk to us about this film. And Christina was, you know, overjoyed to be on for a while until the yep. thunderstorm took until her away. Thunder- <laughs> exactly. And just to be clear, everybody didn't take her away. She decided to power down just because of the lightning. Nothing. Yes, she's a yeah. okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah, she didn't get zapped. Yeah, she didn't get zapped. And, uh, so I guess that's it. Any closing thoughts, Jason? No, just thank you, everybody, for your support. We really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. And, um, and uh, continue to listen and enjoy and send in ideas and thoughts and yeah, and if you want to be on the show, drop us a line. And uh, like we had a couple weeks ago, one of our Twitter followers, Woody Alaskan, well, Woody, Woody Hull, he's at Woody's Alaskan on uh, Twitter. He joined us for an episode, and it was great just finally getting to talk to someone in person, well, on the air, whatever you want to call it, uh, that we chat with a lot in text form on Twitter. So, you you know, you're, anyone's always welcome to join us. Just drop us a line. Yep. And... uh Well, 
don't let the penis parasites bite. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and we'll we'll see you next time <laughs> on the Super Awesome Geek Show. <laughs> Stay geeky, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have to bring it all around, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> all right, Jason, have a great night. Thank you so Good much. Brother. Thank you so much. Autobots, roll out! Oh! Hey, you've been listening to the Super Awesome Geek Show podcast. Find us on Twitter at Awesome Geek Show, Instagram, and Facebook at Super Awesome Geek Show. And as always, thanks a lot for tagging along. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. And we'll see you next time on the Super Awesome Geek Show. Yo, Joe!